there are times when we're developing and it's important to just play around, to not really not really care too much about the final product, what it's going to look like, where you're just kind of like slapping components over the place, you're experimenting with what you can do, you're changing different colors, seeing what it looks like in different contexts. There's definitely a time for that. However, most of the time, I think it's really important that we can already see in our mind's eye what we're building, especially something that's a little bit interface heavy. And I'll tell you what I mean by this. So recently I've been building out uh, note-taking for the new Quasar car. So basically you're going to easily be able to create and save notes um, for, you know, related to the video that you're watching. And I later decided, why not make it so that you can have more than one note? I think this would make a little bit more sense where you don't have to just have one note per course. If it's a bit, um, or per episode, if it's a particularly difficult lesson, then you might want to be able to have more than one note. Maybe you want to have three or four notes and you're the kind of person who really likes to break it down. And a good example of this, and this is why I ended up doing this idea, is having one note that's just talking about the concepts and another one that's just for examples. So one of them might just be bits of code um, that you think will be important in the future. And another one is basically just sort of dot point notes about what's happening. So I thought, you know what, let's not limit people to one note. Let's make it so that they can make as many notes as possible um, for a video, as many notes as they would like. So I had this concept in place, but it turns out that this is actually, um, this concept actually grows quite a bit. You know, you, at first I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to have a note section under the page. But now if I break it down, let me actually break it down from the bottom to the top for you. So I use TipTap Editor. So you've got the note editor itself in its own component. You want that to be decoupled um, from, from the note model itself, if you know what I mean. So I want to be able to use the note editor in other places around my app. You know, I might want to reuse that in the, for the comment section, for example. So I've got that at the very bottom. And then the next thing up from there is the note component, which is basically very simple. It ties the TipTap editor to a note model so that um, as you update that editor, behind the scenes, it's also updating the body of the note. And then that's wrapped in a view. And the reason I wrap it in a view is because the view is in charge of a little bit more styling and it's also going to be in charge of saving the note. So I wrap it, um, you know, that extra level deeper so that I can style it and make sure that the backend request is decoupled because sometimes um, a note body might be making a different request depending on the context. Anyway, I won't go too deep into that. So you've got tip tap editor, so the note editor, which is very raw. On top of that, you've got then the note component, which is basically tying tip tap to the note model. And then above that, you've got the view, which handles a little bit more of the styling side of things. And then above that, I've got, uh, what do I call it? Like the notes view or something like that. I can't remember, notes plural. And that's basically got some tabs and some panels. So basically it then says, let's make it so you can select different notes in a tab and then show the note view uh, that correlates with the tab that was selected. So that's the next level out. And then the level out from there, which is kind of less important, is what I call the, the video more view. And I might need to rename that. I'm not sure yet. 
And that's where you can say, show me the comments or show me the notes or show me the resources for this video. So that's where you can actually change the, you know, the thing that you're focusing on for that video. Anyway, the point being that there ends up being quite a few levels of abstraction here. And see, for me, this is really important. I've found that it's really important to keep your lower level components extremely raw, to have no requests in them, to have no global state in them, to not couple them to anything, to try and keep it as decoupled as possible so that um, they can work in basically any context. This is one of the good things about decoupling your components. If you decouple them from requests, global state, and from um, a lot of the styling, then that component can very easily move around your application freely. And so this is, tying it all together, this is why it's really important, I think, to visualize things first. And as I said at the start of this podcast, sometimes it's good to just play around. But for things that are more involved like this, if you can visualize it first, you can then start building up the structure of what components you're going to use and you know, seeing how they're all going to connect together early on. And once you can see that, once you can you know, see the... I guess the grander picture, you can see that there's going to be many notes. You can see that you're going to need a view for that note. You can see that you need to, you know, decouple the tip tap underlying component. There's quite a few decisions that if you make them up front, if you can visualize it first, you're then able to make those decisions up front and therefore very easily decouple your components from the beginning. Now, I like the and one of the reasons I think this is important is because Refactoring is great, but it's better, I think, to have a clear picture so that you don't have to refactor as much. Now, sometimes this is unavoidable. Sometimes you have to play around and just like move things all over the place. But I found that if I can get the vision clear and then create different files for all of my components from the get-go, then my brain doesn't get as overwhelmed anymore. I can take it one piece at a time. I saw a post from Uncle Bob about this where he's, he talks about trying to find the smallest piece possible to work on. And this is kind of a macro view of this. This isn't like a single line of code we're talking about. We're talking about you know the smallest file um, possible or at least the smallest file that we want to end up with. And that means that you end up with this you know, really beautiful decoupled code. As you're coding, your brain doesn't get that spaghetti code feeling. You know that feeling where you're like, I don't know where I'm, I am anymore. I'm lost. I'm you know, control effing to, to try and find you know, the thing that I'm looking for and I can't find it. And I don't know how this all joins together. I hate that feeling. Like I really, really want to avoid that feeling. Oh, and another, another benefit to that is if you constantly have this feeling of, you know, overwhelmed because there's code all over the place sitting in one file. I found that later on in the day as my brain starts to shut down and I get more tired, that I'm less inclined to create more files. And so if I create more files up front and I create that separation up front, I found that my brain can last a little bit longer throughout the day. Because as soon as I start getting into spaghetti mode, you know, my brain gets overwhelmed. I need to take a break. I need to go for a walk and then I come back to it. And then maybe I get about five or 10 minutes before my brain feels crappy again. But if you are more aggressive with refactoring from the beginning, then that feeling of spaghetti code, that feeling of overwhelm gets delayed, delayed, delayed long term. And sometimes you can avoid it entirely. And so, yeah, that's why I think this is really important to not only have the vision first, 
but to then take that vision and then break it up into small pieces. And in this case, very specifically into small files so that you don't get overwhelmed and you can code throughout the day. You can keep working on that feature um, without getting tired, without your brain sort of shutting down. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. I definitely enjoyed making it for you. I love sort of, you know, talking these things out and discovering things uh, as I go. And by the way, I hope this podcast is going to be released okay. Recently, um, I had uh, troubles with my podcast pipeline. I basically coded my own podcast pipeline so that when I finish recording this, I put this into a Dropbox folder. That Dropbox file automatically gets picked up by um, a Laravel server I've got running, and then it takes it through an entire process. So it automatically cleans my podcast file, adds like treble and bass, removes background noise. I've got like all these tasks that do all of that for me. Open source software is amazing, by the way. I, I didn't actually code any of this. I, I pretty much just, I mean, I did. I coded the you know, the jobs in the pipeline, but you know, the cleaning of the audio, all I did was just use like CLI tools that already exist. Um, it automatically creates a cover image as well. So, you know, I've got, I was able to just pull in some open source tools that allow me to do that. Man, open source is just incredible. Uh, so, so anyway, that's, I got this whole pipeline that sort of triggers so that when I release these podcasts, it all is supposed to end up cleaned and published for me so that all I have to do is record the podcast say what the title and the description is, and it all just works. I don't know why I'm telling you this now, but there you go. So yeah, hopefully this is all going to um, be published okay. Hope you enjoyed this one. I definitely enjoyed recording it for you. And remember, you can.